hour number three of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And this is the program where each and every Sunday night we take three hours, we look at the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion broadcast to 22 different stations across this formerly great nation of ours. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. In probably the next segment, maybe two segments from now, I'll be providing uh, my predictions and Leah's reactions to my predictions for the New Hampshire primary on Tuesday, both on the Republican and the Democratic side. And we'll also provide a major update on a story we've talked about a couple times before, which was or is uh, the Louisville University basketball uh, scandal where uh, the University of Louisville has elected to self-impose penalties because of a scandal involving uh, prostitutes and recruits. Uh, I want to uh, say a few things about that probably in the final segment of this particular hour and of this program. But first, Leah, I know you're mm-hmm. eager to, to talk about the Chris Christie and Marco <laughs> Rubio smackdown. I'm fascinated. I am really <laughs> fascinated to learn how it is that Marco Rubio uh, nailed down your vote because or I guess yeah. not it was because because or after um, what many people are perceiving and are describing as a debacle uh, yeah, for, Mar- for Marco Rubio. But before we, we get into that analysis, for those who might have missed it, uh, I know you have a clip there. Um, and basically, let's let's set this up a little bit. Here's the situation. So Rubio comes out of Iowa with all this momentum. The other mainstream Republicans are now panicked because New Hampshire's their last chance to stop him. Because if yeah. Rubio finishes second in New Hampshire, they're done. Uh, people like Christie are not going to be able to raise money. They won't get any media attention. They will not be able to compete in South Carolina or beyond. It's over for them. So it's it is a last ditch effort by oh, everybody. It's disgusting. I agree to destroy Marco Rubio. Even though there's a very strong argument, which I've been making for months, he's the guy with the best chance to actually win the election. As if that has any bearing on anything. I, I didn't realize that that has no bearing on anything. Apparently, uh, who can actually win the election? And I, it's a Absurd, but we'll get to that uh, in a bit. But anyway, so so you got that as the as the backdrop, and you know Rubio and Christie have been going at each other for a while. I have warned the Rubio people. I've even talked about this on the program about how it is that they should go after Christie because they were eventually going to have to because he was yeah. Christie was in a desperate situation and he's clearly not afraid of attacking. And so to me, I've always been most worried for Rubio. Uh, regarding Chris Christie. It was obvious that Chris... He's like a suicide bomber. He doesn't care. That's a pretty good analogy. Um, Because he's desperate... Uh, yep. And he is somebody who doesn't uh, isn't afraid to get into a fight. Uh, he, you know, he's from. And he'll New take G- someone out with himself. R- right, and I and that may have may or may not have actually happened. So with that as the backdrop, here is the essence of of the battle between Rubio and Christie, and then we'll talk about it. I like Marco Rubio, and he's a smart person and a good guy. But he simply does not have the experience to be president of the United States and make these decisions. We've watched it happen, everybody. For the last seven years, the people of New Hampshire are smart. Do not make the same mistake again. I think the experience is not just what you did, but how it worked out. Under Chris Christie's governorship of New Jersey, they've been downgraded nine times in their credit rating. This country already has a debt problem. We don't need to add to it by electing someone who has experience at running up and and destroying the credit rating of his state. But I would add this. Let's dispel with this fiction that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. 
He is trying to change this country. He wants America to become more like the rest of the world. We don't want to be like the rest of the world. We want to be the United States of America. And when I'm elected president, this will become once again the single greatest nation in the history of the world, not the disaster Barack Obama has imposed upon us. You see, everybody, I want the people at home to think about this. That's what Washington, D.C. does. The drive-by shot at the beginning with incorrect and incomplete information, and then the memorized 25-second speech that is exactly what is... Okay, so there you go. And then uh, there was like three times where Marco Rubio repeated himself saying the, you know, Obama knows exactly what he's doing. All right. Now, it's very long and, and we can't play the it whole is. thing. But, but no. to, to be fair, I mean, since I'm someone who likes Rubio because I think he can win. Well, the, the worst part of this to me was not necessarily the argument over experience or inexperience, because frankly, from a logic standpoint, I don't get what Christie was trying to say, because what's the logic here? You don't want to go with the guy who won, who's just like the guy who won twice? I mean, yeah. isn't that what we're trying to do here? So you're saying he's a lot like Obama, so, but didn't Obama win twice? Okay, but you're saying Obama wasn't ready to be president. He doesn't know what he's doing. But see, but Rubio's counterpoint is that's not true. That's correct. Which is an accurate counterpoint, I think. I mean, I have. Yes. I mean, the inexperience argument was a good political argument to make in 2008 to win an election. But but you and certainly in 2012, once he had been president for four years, you and could, you see where he's taking us. You, he knows exactly what he's doing. Right. And and so from that standpoint, it didn't make any sense. And you know the analogy I use is okay. And this is not perfect, but I think you're going to see where I'm going with this. So wait a minute. Hold on. I I get experience is important, but but sometimes experience doesn't help. And sometimes inexperience is not a hindrance. So, like, if Chris Christie was trying to determine who am I going to bet on in a golf match between Tiger Woods and Jordan Spieth, is he going to take Tiger Woods because (laughs) Spieth has only been on the PGA Tour for two years? Boy, that's a great analogy. Let let me tell you something. Jordan Spieth would kick Tiger Woods' ass every day of the week, and Tiger's the greatest that ever was. All right? So, um, So sometimes experience doesn't necessarily help, and sometimes inexperience is not a hindrance. And it certainly didn't hinder Barack Obama in getting done what he wanted to get done, which is Rubio's primary point. Now, here's the bad and weird and, frankly, a little interesting part about what happened with Rubio. And it's not just that he kept repeating the part about uh, Barack Obama knows exactly what he's doing, which, of course, some people try to take out of context, like Rubio was trying to compliment Obama. That's not what he was doing. What was really weird was... And it only happened once. Some of the media tried to pretend that it happened three or four times. I think Drudge even had a headline pretending it happened eight times. But that, um, but it happened one time, and it happened at a very poor time yes. because it occurred right after Christie uh, alluded to this. Rubio basically said word for word the exact same whatever it was, 20, 25-second soundbite that right, he had in his right. previous answer. Now, Back on Barack Obama and off-topic. Right. And so that part was weird. Now, is that a disqualifier? I mean, are you kidding? I mean, these guys, here's how this works. Um, and, and being someone who who obviously does the John and Leah show uh, you know, every Sunday and has done a lot of public speaking and, and I've done a billion different interviews, it's kind of like a jukebox, right? Uh, yeah. you, you don't necessarily memorize it. 
but you've done it so many times it's part of who you are and in your brain in in your brain when you go to oh okay now i want to talk about uh how barack obama knows what he's doing i'm going to press a17 (laughs) right and a17 just pops out of your mouth without it's it's not even memorized I mean, you know, on on the Penn State case, there's probably about 30 answers I could give you within five or six words of each other without memorizing them because I've done it so many times. It's it's part of who I am. I've lived it for four years. And so for whatever reason, Rubio hit A17 at the wrong time. Now, that's not a disqualifier. Um, People are acting like it is. Yeah. Um, Well, I remember (laughs) Barack Obama's very first debate. Right. Okay. Uh, or I'm sorry, in 2012, the first one with Romney. Right. That was the most dismal debate from start to finish that has probably ever been televised. And it had very little impact in the end. Exactly. Uh, which is another part of this. And I, I do want to get to the impact of this because you said that um, you now are in the Rubio camp as far as your vote, which is fascinating to me. And I, I You're not, yeah. Well, hold on a second. We'll get to it. But but just for for contrast, though, for people who are suggesting, um, and most of these are people are, are Trump fans or Cruz fans or fans of some other candidate than Rubio, so it's wishful thinking to suggest that this is somehow a disqualifier. You cannot put. Rubio in the category, what happened last night, anywhere near the category of, for instance, Dan Quayle. uh, No, uh, good gosh. No no way. I mean, that was horrendous. Or certainly nothing close to Rick Perry. Oops. There's (laughs) nothing will ever compare to... Oops. I mean, that's... Ruby was not anywhere near that. Um, but when we come back, I want to find out why Leah is now voting for Rubio and uh, give you my sense of what impact, if any, uh, that will actually have on New Hampshire and going forward. We'll do that when we return on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. John and Leah show. My name is John Ziglin. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And uh, I want to talk in this segment about the impact of last night's GOP debate. And we'll start with the um, the battle between Chris Christie and Marco Rubio. And I'm fascinated to hear Leah Brandon's uh, comments because she has indicated that she's now in the Rubio uh, camp on this. Uh, Leah, before we get into your specific thoughts, though, I do find the double standard, and, and I think we've actually reached the point now where the media double standard is so obvious and so oh, dramatic goodness. that it's almost not even worth mentioning. But sometimes you still got to mention it. If Hillary Clinton had <laughs> repeated for word for word her attack on George Bush or whoever she wanted to be attacking, there wouldn't even have been a blinked eye in the news Mm-mm. media. Oh, no. Not even a blink. It wouldn't have, there would have been no robo Hillary or anything like that. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Not at all. No oh, no choking headlines. Nothing. No one even would have mentioned it. It would not have even become a narrative. Um, and that's well, because. You know, she is spectacular. And we have to be united. They got to take on the GOP. Right. Yes. I mean, so the, the double standard is is obvious and dramatic, but still uh, worthy of mention. Now, before we get to my analysis of the impact, I want to hear yours. So why are you now a Marco Rubio voter? 
<laughs> okay, so you, what is my number one issue to you? What have I always said? Uh, immigration. And the reason why I couldn't vote for Marco Rubio is because of the Gang of Eight bill. Okay, okay? Right. I've always thought, wow, I'm worried about him. He doesn't get it. What's his ulterior motive? Now, <clears throat> I also have another uh, very pressing issue that is coming to the forefront. And Marco Rubio, I've kind of kept him on the peripheral because he's the only one who really gets up there and says what ISIS's motivation is. And he has said in the past that they're not satisfied with controlling Afghanistan or Syria or Iraq. They want to conquer the world. And that's okay, and those are lofty words. But you know what he did last night? He went to the heart of the matter, which no one has done. He said that ISIS wants to start Armageddon at Dabiq in Syria. That's exactly what they want to do. I've read everything about ISIS. It's Hmm. their ideology. And that is the reason why Peter Kasig was the first guy beheaded by Jihadi John on the beach in Dabiq. They're saying they want to bring an end to the world. Marco Rubio acknowledged it on the stage. I understand that he gets it. He's not going to. That blows immigration out of the water because since he gets that, he's going to care about who comes into the country. It's done. Wow. Fascinating. Very interesting. All right. Well, he's the only one who gets it. He is. No one else has ever said anything. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Um, It's kind of ironic because, you know, because of perception, not because of reality. I've been kind of despondent about the Rubio cause today, uh, almost to the point where I'm now thinking that uh, Hillary might have a a better chance of losing the primary than she does the general because we're screwing this thing up so badly. I've always said I want Rubio to be the nominee as long as he's not terribly damaged and thanks to chris christie he might be although i'm not sure the impact against rubio from last night is going to be that big uh partially because two things number one the criticism the clip that they're going to keep playing is of him bashing barack obama and how's <laughs> how's that going to hurt you in a gop primary number one and number two i love this in the post-debate analysis while abc was swarming on Ruby and ripping the hell out of him. Did you see? Do you remember what pictures they were showing? They were no. showing pictures of Marco Rubio with his little son showing him how to use the microphone on the stage. It was Kennedy-esque. And I'm thinking, people aren't listening to what you boneheads are saying. They're looking at these pictures and they're going, I love this guy. <laughs> so, you know, uh, look, Marco Rubio's kind of gotten a pass and he's sort of been the darling. And this is kind of like Alabama winning every national championship. Sometimes you need to be shaken up a little bit hmm. so you can get back in your game. Interesting analogy. I like it. When we come back, my predictions for the New Hampshire primaries on the John and Leah show.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And uh, Leah, before I get to uh, my predictions for the New Hampshire uh, primary on Tuesday on both the Republican and the Democratic sides, I, I want to just make one quick point further about this uh, Chris Christie and Marco Rubio flap that I think gets lost. And I kind of alluded to it, but I want to make sure it's clear. The experience issue with Rubio. Now, when it, with regard to Obama, it was a really good, theoretically, political issue in 2008 if McCain had used it properly and the news media had been remotely fair. Now, neither of those things happened, and it didn't work, and we elected somebody who had no business being elected president of the United States. Um, from an experience standpoint, you know, that, you know, Sarah Palin nailed it by calling him a community organizer. Uh, he, he had very little political experience. He had done nothing in the U.S. Senate, I mean, at all. And and so theoretically, that would work politically. The the counter argument on Rubio is that Obama being elected and being reelected with less political experience than Rubio even has eliminates the political issue against Rubio. Do you see what I'm saying? That it, now, granted, the news media would try it. Because he's a Republican. Right, because he's a Republican and the rules are different. But we would be able to say, wait a minute, hold on. You, you told us how wonderful the, the inexperienced minority guy in 2008 was. What, why is this inexperienced minority guy no good in 2016? Um, you know, and so that's, to me, if the, if the purpose here is to win, that's part of why, a big part of why this Christie argument, which, by the way, I don't even think Christie really even believes. I think he's just do, using it because it's all he has. And as you say, he's a suicide bomber and he's using the only weapon he has at his disposal, I think probably to no net positive effect for him. But anyway, at I, all. I, I wanted to make I just wanted to make that point that that Obama changed the rules. And so yeah. we should take advantage of that. We happen exactly. to have we happen to have a guy who's a lot like him, only He's conservative um, and and can win. Um, and so, um, all right, that's enough about that. Now, New Hampshire is a big deal. And I realize this process has been going on a long time, and some of us are kind of tired of it, and we've seen too many damn debates, which, by the way, is why I don't think debates have that much impact on elections anymore because there's so no, I think they have more impact on destroying the party on the Republican side. I, I just think they're a bad idea to have so many of them. Well, See, the news media, because, you know, after all, they're a bunch of... <laughs> they don't realize that when the world changes, the rules change. Yeah. And, and back when there were only four networks, and you only had a couple of debates a year, and mm-hmm. nobody saw these guys, you know, uh, and there was no internet, obviously, and no cable television. They weren't being interviewed constantly on cable news. The debates were huge, because you didn't have much opportunity to see them. And by the way, if something went wrong, there was almost no way to correct it. So the debates were humongous. The debates are not that big of a deal anymore because there's so many of them and there are so many other ways for campaigns to communicate with their supporters. Twitter, email, uh, you know, every other way on the internet, cable news, television, commercials, all of these things are far easier for campaigns than they were before. They're not at the, the the mercy of the television networks nearly like they used to be. And also, by the way, I don't think people change their minds as much uh, as they used to. That's why I really respect you changing your mind 
uh, from Cruz to Rubio, although I understand why you did it. Very few people, once they pick their horse, ever change because they don't want to admit they were wrong. And, and they will always rationalize whatever happens to support what they had already believed in. And, well, and, and you know, honestly, you're the one that reminded me, uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, um, about the Supreme Court, yes. you know, because I really, I was, I mean, I was really dead set on Ted Cruz because I really think that he could go and he'll do what he says he's going to do. I, I honestly believe that. Sure. But if he doesn't get there. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. If he doesn't win, Hillary's picking the replacement for Antonin Scalia, Anthony Kennedy, and Clarence Thomas. Bank yes. it. And if, and if she replaces those three, goodbye. Done. We're done. done. It's, it's over. And, and by the way, when I say it's over, and, I, and I, this, I know this is an aside, but this is important. When I say it's over, I'm not talking about for the Republican Party or whatever. I couldn't no. care less. No, no, I'm talking yeah. about. I'm talking about things like property rights. Yeah. I, I'm talking about uh, you know, base, guns. Guns gone. Second Amendment gone. Gone. Yeah. yeah pro- guns and property rights would probably the, be the first two things that would go immediately if we yep. lost those three if we lose two of them it's over um and so taxes yeah and, and the taxes forget about it i mean you, you the, the government would be Business, able to do everything the, the government would be able to do anything liberals wanted the government to do uh, under that circumstance for by the way forever i mean because replacing them would be almost with a conservative would be almost impossible yes uh, be, because by the way you'd have so many years of a democratic rule there wouldn't be anybody in the farm system that would have enough experience to be able to replace the Supreme Court justice because they'd be under much more scrutiny than the liberals get. I mean, a liberal could put anybody right. on the court. Well, a conservative. It's like Marco said, they're trying to change who America is. Right. Thank you. I'm sick of it. All right. Well, good for you. I'm glad to have you on the team, uh, even though I'm about to get off the team. But okay. <laughs> All right. So here's here's the uh, New Hampshire predictions, and you know my predictions in Iowa were where I give myself about a B minus. Mainly because I I didn't get uh, Trump and Cruz that was flip flopped I got the other four in a row exactly right and the percentages were almost exactly right uh, but here's the percentages for New Hampshire um, I think Trump benefits in a in what he would say a huge way with a Y huge a huge, huge way huge way from expectations <laughs> the Iowa second I, by the way do you remember me Leah saying many times in the last couple months. A good second place in Iowa would be fantastic for Donald Trump. Do you remember me saying that? And it's and it's partially because yes, but you also said a big win means it's over. <laughs> no, that's true. A big win would would have meant it was over. But 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 I think this is almost as good for Trump. And the reason why is it lowers the expectations, and it means that a a, a very strong victory in New Hampshire is going to have more impact than it would have had a couple of weeks ago. Um, also, by the way, here's the other way that it helps Trump, which is not – it's counterintuitive, but I think you'll see what I'm saying. And I've, I've implied this in the past. Because Trump didn't win Iowa and gave off a sense of you know, not being the all-powerful, almighty Oz, mm-hmm. it didn't create panic among Bush, Kasich, Christie, Fiorina to immediately get the hell out of the race and – 
support yes, Rubio. Unfortunately. Right. So, but you see what I'm saying? So they all think they think Trump is weakened now. And they <sighs> they all think that it's OK for us to stick around because we lightning might still strike us. Uh, I can't take it. I know. I know. I'm just telling <laughs> you what they're it. thinking. All right. So here's that gun was supposed to come out. All right. So here's what's going to happen in New Hampshire. I think Trump will win. I think Trump uh, will probably do about what the polls say. I think he's going to end up with 31% of the vote overall. You, you're, okay. you're um, uh, becoming a Rubio voter has slightly changed my percentages. I, I'm using you <laughs> as a focus group here. And I'm going to say that Rubio finishes second with 17%. Uh, okay. Kasich at 15, Cruz, oh. Cruz at 13, Bush at 11, Christie at 6, Fiorina at four and Carson at three. So you really think Bush will be at eleven? I do. I think Bush will be an eleven. I I think they're. You got to remember. <sighs> ele- hold on a second. Eleven percent of the the Republican voting populace in New Hampshire is a pretty small number. I mean, you got to remember the Bushes live in Kennebunkport, Maine. All right. Um, they, they, the Bushes have been running in New Hampshire for many many years. There are enough old Bush supporters out there. Uh, and because Jeb is the only guy really taking on Trump, which I think there are, there's a market out there for that, uh, I think Bush probably gets 11. And unfortunately, because he gets into double figures, I don't think he drops out. I think he needs to be in single digits for him to drop out, which is unfortunate for the overall cause here. Now, on the Democratic side, um, Hillary is actually showing some life in the most recent polls. She's going to lose. I don't and, and she's going And she's going to get crushed. Um, I don't think it's going to be by 20 points. My prediction is Sanders 55, Hillary 44. And and here's a big shock, here's a big shock Leah. We're actually going to know how many people voted and who they voted for in New Hampshire. That's what's <laughs> going to be the big upset. We will actually have to release the yeah, numbers. We have an actual real result. It'll be Sanders 55 and Hillary 44, in my opinion. Here's the most shocking polling stat I've seen in the entire campaign season so far. In what? one in one New Hampshire poll, now granted it's a very small sample size, but it's a reputable New Hampshire poll. 18 to 34 year olds in New Hampshire, in the Democratic side. 80 <laughs> percent. Sanders, 87. I was kidding. Hillary, seven, among 18 to 34 year olds. That was so that Common Core math is really working. Yeah, uh, that to me is so scary because it shows that the the younger generation is basically socialist. They, They're this is, just idiots. They, well, <laughs> imbeciles. Yeah, so they it, don't get it. All right, so Tuesday is going to be very interesting. Those are my predictions, and we'll see how well or poorly I do uh, next week when we revisit this. When we come back, uh, real quick on the Louisville uh, basketball update and already vindication on my prediction at the beginning of the show about how the Cam Newton criticism will become racist uh, when we come back on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. And even though we do zero preparation for what music we're going to use for our intros, it's amazing how often it's appropriate. It's Uh, just like magic. We're sort of like Donald Trump. With me, it's just 
works. You know, it's magic. <laughs> it, it really is. I wish it worked more often in real life. But um, since we're going to talk about Cam Newton in a minute, it's appropriate that the Superman music was used there. Real, real quick, because we don't have much time. And I promised that I would discuss this. Um, there was a major development in the Louisville basketball scandal, which we've talked about previously. Here's the the very, very long story short of it. Uh, the University of Louisville, which we're on in Louisville on my old station, WHAS, uh, and, uh, you know, I've had some interaction with Rick Pitino, their coach, and we played a clip of his a few weeks ago, oddly enough, praising Joe Paterno and saying that he mm-hmm. had gotten railroaded in that situation. Well, University of Louisville this week suddenly announced on Friday no postseason basketball for them. They were going to implement uh, penalties on their own outside. Oh, it drives me crazy. <laughs> well, the NCAA, oh, it me crazy. Well, the NCAA is going to still have their say eventually. But the reason why they're doing this is because of the scandal involving prostitutes apparently having been given to recruits. And, oh, by the way, their guardians. Isn't that a nice benefit? Um, <laughs> to the University of Louisville basketball program on campus. And by the way, and in a dorm named for Rick Pitino, the head basketball coach at the University of Louisville's dead brother-in-law, Billy Minardi, who died in 9-11. Anyway, um, you know, we've talked about this before from the standpoint of the story doesn't fully make sense. And what was what was striking to me about this was that Rick Pitino is still claiming to have zero knowledge of this now. Is that possible? Yes. I, I guess it's possible. Um, the story doesn't make a lot of sense to me because the person who was in charge of this is a graduate assistant. So where did he get the money? If he didn't have approval from Rick Patino, how was he going to get any credit? And if it went badly, as it did, it's a career ender for this guy. So, okay. So this guy was a maniac um, who somehow got money as a graduate assistant to run this prostitute program. And Rick had no idea, even though it was happening at a place named for his brother-in-law. All right. Is that plausible? To me, that seems way less than 50%. I don't know what percentage I would put on it, but here's where I'm <laughs> coming at it from i think you know where i'm going is if yeah. rick patino if and the media has been saying oh well we can't jump to any conclusions here oh uh, you know rick's got a good reputation even though he really doesn't in a lot of ways um but we're, we can't we can't know for sure that that he knew and we're going to wait until all the facts are in well where was that for joe paterno where was that for Joe Paterno when there is when when you look at even the 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 most surface facts of both of these cases it is a joke it is a joke that somehow the media could pretend that Rick Patino didn't know which is plausible it's plausible unlikely but plausible um when when you look at what happened with Penn State and Joe Paterno Joe Paterno had no flipping idea had no reason to have any flipping idea Jerry Sandusky was a former assistant coach acting on his own Paterno had no clue even if something bad was happening which, as I've said many times, uh, I, I don't believe actually was occurring because I've investigated it more than anybody. And so it just fascinates me, the double standard there. And I wanted to update uh, people on that particular story. And we'll keep an eye on it because I, I find it fascinating because I'm still not sure what happened there. It's one of those classic situations, Leah, where it doesn't add up. And when, right. it, does, when it doesn't add up, I get very nervous um, and very agitated. So I want to find out what really happened here. All right. Now, at the beginning of the show, um, I criticized Cam Newton. Uh, the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers who lost the Super Bowl to the Denver Broncos today, um, who was wearing his Super Bowl T-shirt during the pregame and his MVP. Superman. Uh, sh- right, Superman. Did I say Super Bowl? 
You did? Okay, Superman, Super Bowl. He's wearing a Superman T-shirt uh, before the game, um, and you know, NFL MVP wearing those MVP uh, gold shoes. So he's, you know, he's he's pretty confident in himself. He's pretty full of himself. Right. Okay, so he had a horrible game. They lost, and in the most, uh, really, the key play of the game, the last chance for them to have a chance to win, down by six points, he fumbled and decided to back away, back away. From trying to get the fumble. He was right there. He, the I want to very, see a gif on that. I want a gif the, flying around on Twitter. I'm sure it's somewhere, although it's not getting a lot of play because for reasons we're going to get racist. to. racist. Right. We're going to get to that momentarily. So so the bottom line is he backs away. He could, at the very, the very least, he could have easily disrupted the Broncos from recovering the fumble. He not only doesn't dive into the pile, he backs away from it. Denver mm. recovers. That clinches the game. Okay, so he has a horrible game. And I said, you're not going to be able to criticize him because it would be racist to do so because it would be playing into black stereotypes because he would be claiming he's lazy or something, <laughs> uh, half-jokingly. Well, here's what's actually happened since the start of the program. Uh, former NFL linebacker Bill Romanowski posted a tweet after Cam Newton cut short his post-Super Bowl press conference. Oh, here, yeah. here was the tweet from Bill Romanowski, former NFL, by the way, former Denver Bronco. Uh, you will never last in the NFL with that attitude. The world doesn't revolve around you, boy. Hashtag Cam Newton. Uh, Romanowski immediately deleted the tweet after um, it got a lot of negative response on Twitter because, you know, frankly, I don't know what the percentages is, but Twitter is famously... Um, I think left far wing. more, not only left wing, but there's a high percentage of black people on Twitter. I mean, uh, I think that's, oh, is that right? Oh, it's huge. I mean, just took a I look, had no idea. look at the trending topics at any time, especially late night. I mean, it is, it's almost, I learned a lot about black culture by just going through Twitter, oh, that's hilarious. Twitter trending, um, at night. Um, and so anyway, the point here is, so he deletes the tweet. He's in big trouble. Now it's starting to make the rounds in the press that, uh, the use of the word boy, the use of the word boy. Now he's a young guy. I don't know. You know, I wouldn't call him a boy, but but I don't. I don't believe that Romanowski had any racist intent. But it doesn't matter. Newton cut short his post Super Bowl press conference. The word boy was used, and instead of criticizing Cam Newton for cutting short the press conference and for running away from a fumble, let's attack a former NFL player no one's thought about for years because he used the word boy. Um, come on, people. It's just flat out ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, but that's where, that's the force field. See, I don't understand how boy is racist anyway. Like, uh, there's so many things that are racist that I'm like, how is that racist? Um, I agree. I mean, <laughs> I, I've always, uh, it's not the perfect analogy, but I've always wondered about the banana. We've talked about the racist banana before. Uh, the, the, that one takes the, the cake for me to, to mix <laughs> to mix food metaphors because because if you're the if you're the one that thinks that banana is racist, you're the racist. It's true. Uh, um, but and the boy is probably similar to that. But it's code, code, but, code. But here's here's the bottom line though. And this happens all the time now. If you're a black person, even though this is contrary to what most black people think is the reality, you have a force field against any legitimate criticism. I mean, Cam Newton, if he was white, if a white guy came out in a Superman T-shirt and played the game he did and backed away from a key fumble, he would be crucified and walked out on a press conference yes. acting like a baby exactly thank you you would that person would be 
crucified. If Peyton, you betcha. If Peyton Manning had done that after oh. playing the game that Cam Newton did, even without the Superman T-shirt, he would it would be over. I mean, it, it would be total evisceration. It'd be almost Joe Paterno territory. It, 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 and and yet the opposite occurs because the news media is all liberal, even in sports. In fact, in sports they're more liberal. That's what's so strange. In my experience, the sports media is more liberal even in the mainstream news media. Believe it or not, and so their knee-jerk reaction is to always defend the black guy because why? They want to protect their gig. The only way you lose your gig, and these gigs are precious, that's all you got to, you know, that's all you want to do is protect your sports gig, uh, is the only way you're going to get in trouble is if you're the racist. So by criticizing anybody else who says anything critical of a black person, you inoculate yourself from any charges of racism. Oh, I it, see. That, you got to be the first to spot the racist. Yes. Bingo. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Leah, always fun. Uh, we'll talk next Sunday. We'll review the New Hampshire primaries. Uh, the website Sounds tomorrow the, tomorrow morning at freespeechbroadcasting.com. We'll have our podcasts. Until next Sunday, I'm John Ziegler. Have a great week, everybody.